The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Catholic Home on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Teresa, and on this episode, I'm joined by Veronica. On this episode, we are going to be discussing the Holy Face devotion. This particular devotion is so important for our current crisis that I will say up front that I consider this the most important of any show I'm hosting. So if you only listen to one, I urge you to make it this one in its entirety. Joining me today is Veronica, who is contributing to today's show, not only because of her befitting Christian name, but because of her dedication to this particular devotion. As G.K. Chesterton said, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. So even though neither of us are trained public speakers, we are attempting to cover this topic because it is something truly worth doing. (laughs) Yeah, that's sure to engender confidence in our listeners, isn't it, Veronica? Well, I hope so. So hello, Veronica. Welcome to the Catholic Home. Thank you, Teresa. I'm very excited to be talking about this with you today. Okay, you all probably noticed I sound somewhat throaty. It's winter down under and the wind chill factor here in the mountains this past week has been super high. What's it like in your neck of the woods, Veronica? Uh, It's pretty mild, actually. We're still able to go out and have some picnics in the last week or so. So yes, not as bad as yours. Oh, that's good. Well, please tell our listeners a bit about yourself, Veronica. Well, I'm a cradle traditional Catholic living in Australia, but on the other side of the country from you, Teresa, and I attend a set of a mission here. I was homeschooled with my six siblings, and I'm currently in the final year of my teaching degree. A few years ago, I started a Holy Face confraternity, which has members mainly consisting of my family and some friends due to the tiny size of our set of a group. And can you please provide a little history for our listeners behind how the Holy Face devotion in its current established form came about? Yeah, well, the devotion to the Holy Face, as we know it today, really began in France in the 19th century, when it was revealed by our Lord to a Carmelite nun by the name of Sister Mary of St. Peter. In this revelation, our Lord revealed that he desired us to practice devotion to his holy face through certain prayers, such as the golden arrow and the holy face litany, among others, and by wearing a holy face cross, and that this was to be done in reparation for the many blasphemies and profanities in the world, although it is also a means of petitioning him as well. There are also beautiful promises tied to the devotion, which I think we'll be discussing later on. But for further information, I would recommend reading The Golden Arrow, which is actually the autobiography of Sister Mary of St. Peter. Now, before she died, Sister Mary of St. Peter told of the revelation to the Bishop of Tours and also to a pious friend of hers named Leo Dupont. This man, Leo Dupont, began practicing the devotion privately, but at around the same time in 1849, a miracle took place in Rome, which is very closely tied to the devotion and which, among other things, led to the devotion spreading worldwide. At the time in Rome, Pope Pius IX had ordered public prayers to implore God's mercy due to the revolution that was taking place. And as part of this public prayer, there was an exposition of the Veronica Veil in the Vatican, which was to last three days for public veneration. However, on the third day, the veil was miraculously illuminated and the image of the holy face of our Lord became much more distinct and detailed for a period of only three hours. The Vatican had artists make copies of this distinct image and then these images, which were then touched to the original relic and distributed throughout the world, well, it's the image we now associate with devotion to the holy face. Anyway, due to this miracle, the revelation to Sister Mary of St. Peter and various other miraculous occurrences, the devotion was eventually established by Pope Leo XIII in 1885 as an arch confraternity for the entire world. And from there, the devotion spread until it gradually became less practiced after about World War One. 
So please explain further how Venerable Leo Dupont, also known as the Holy Man of Tours, fits into the picture. Okay, well, Leo Dupont was a very pious French layman who happened to know Sister Mary of St. Peter and began practicing devotion to the Holy Face based on the prayers which were given to him by Sister Mary of St. Peter. He also had obtained one of the relics of the Holy Face image, which were created and distributed by the Vatican, and he kept it on his mantle with an oil lamp burning constantly as veneration. Soon after, miraculous cures and healings began occurring to people who came to his house to join in the prayers and who anointed themselves with the oil from the lamp. In fact, the miracles became so great and so numerous that word of them quickly spread. And before long, Leo Dupont's house became a place of pilgrimage and people traveled there over a period of about 30 years to pray there and be healed. Actually, it's possible that he is one of the greatest miracle workers in the history of the church, you know, with so many miracles being attributed to this. And there is a great book about him called The Holy Man of Tours, which I would highly recommend to anyone who is interested in learning about this devotion. A book well worth reading, as is the Golden Era book you mentioned before. I believe Leo Dupont's house in Tours is now the Arch Compagnie headquarters, isn't it? Yeah. Now, these just aren't any old unapproved private revelations. We have a full-fledged, hugely public miracle to attest to the importance and timeliness of this devotion and countless additional miracles. And hasn't this also been formally approved by the church? Yes. Well, Pope Leo XIII established the Arch Confraternity and therefore approved of the devotion and even went so far as to establish it for the entire world. So that's obviously a pretty big approval. Also, numerous popes have granted indulgences to those who, you know, who are members of the confraternity. For example, in a papal brief, Pope Leo XIII grants a plenary indulgence and a remission of all sin to members of the confraternity on the day they join and if they make a good confession and receive a Holy Communion. And this is only one of the many indulgences which has been granted in relation to the confraternity. There are also indulgences granted to those who perform pious or charitable acts with the object of the confraternity in mind and to those who piously kiss the holy face image, either as a picture or as a sculpture or imprint, such as the image which is you know, imprinted on the holy face cross, and also saying the invocation, Lord, show us thy face and we shall be saved. It, also, it is also good to note to anyone who has any doubt about whether or not these indulgences still apply to us in these times that Pope Leo XIII has emphatically and clearly confirmed that they do apply. And I'll just briefly read um, a little, you know, part from his third papal brief on this topic. He said, We concede and grant in perpetuity to the directors and colleagues present and future of the Arch Confraternity the power validly and lawfully to aggregate to itself throughout the whole world, excepting in our glorious city, all the other confraternities existing in the same name and having the same object, observing always the form prescribed by the constitution of Pope Clement VIII, our predecessor of happy memory, and the other apostolical ordinances drawn up on the subject, as well as to communicate to all and each the indulgences, remission of sins and dispensations of penance, which have been granted by the Holy Apostolical See to the association so erected by us into an arch confraternity and which are susceptible of being communicated to others. We decree that our present letters shall be for the present and the future fixed, valid and efficacious, that they shall obtain and possess their full and entire effects. That is very good to know. Now, would you like to tell about St. Therese, the little flower, and her family's association with this devotion? Yes, she has set us a very good example in her devotion. St. Therese and her entire family enrolled as members of the Arch Confraternity years before she joined the convent, and she also had a great love for Sister Mary of St. Peter, in fact, going so far as to wear a relic of her hair and carry a picture of her in her Bible. Also, when she received the habit, St. Therese actually herself chose to add to her title of the Holy Face. So she was St. Therese of the Holy Face and of the Child Jesus, although we really only know her as St. Therese of the Child Jesus today. 
St. Therese also wrote that she was introduced to this devotion by her older sister Pauline and that the devotion to the Holy Face was the foundation of all her piety. There's actually a beautiful quote of hers about the Holy Face that I would like to read. She said, How well our Lord did lower his eyes when he gave us his portrait. Since the eyes are the mirror of the soul, if we had seen his soul, we would have died from joy. Oh, how much good that holy face has done in my life. Well, it's truly beautiful. Uh, Considering Pope St. Pius X said St. Therese is the greatest saint of modern times, this says a lot about this devotion. So it is necessarily a solid foundation for sanctity. Now, some Catholics still might be thinking this is simply another of the countless Sunday little devotions out there and I can take it or leave it, so to speak, you know. I'm doing enough. I don't need to add more to my already super busy devotions list. So what would you say to these people about why this isn't just any old devotion, but it is a capital one for our times and should not be ignored by any Catholic? Right. So obviously the first reason we should not ignore it is because our Lord specifically asked us to practice this devotion in his revelations to Sister Mary of St. Peter and then confirmed it, you know, with over 30 years of miracles. It's a pretty good reason. Yeah, for sure. However, specifically for our times, this devotion applies to us because of the power of this devotion to fight communism in whatever forms it's now affecting us, which also ties it in neatly with Fatima. You see, one of the purposes of the devotion is the defeat of communism and, by extension, all revolutionary men who comprise the various tools of Freemasonry, echoed later by Our Lady of Fatima when she said, Russia will spread her errors, which are the major underlying threats in modern times. So in Sister Mary St. Peter's biography, she said, Secret societies, the scourge of the French people and the sworn enemy of the Church of God, had long been plotting their destructive machinations. It is from her midst, Paris especially, that the revolutionary and antisocial spirit has spread all over Europe, assuming different names at different epochs to suit the caprice of the moment, at one time styling themselves socialists, then liberalists. At the period of Sister Mary of St. Peter, they bore the appellation of communists. These, by degrees, had usurped the entire control of the press. This sect, by its secret manoeuvrings, had rapidly increased. God had commanded me to cross swords with the communists, who, as he told me, were the sworn enemies of the church and of his Christ. So, as you see, communism, in whatever form it currently takes, we could probably give it a few different names right now, is a good reason to practice this devotion. Maybe it's not red anymore, but the dangers of communism are still very real. Also, the other primary reason for the devotion is the reparation for blasphemy and the profanation of Sundays and holy days, and also atheism. I mean, well, that's, you know, super relevant right now. I mean, firstly, blasphemy just hits you in the face wherever you turn, the internet, TV, movies, people you work with. It's offensive to you, but way more offensive to God, right? I have a quote here, also from the biography of Sister Mary of St. Peter, It says, it seems as if our Lord said to me, you cannot comprehend the abomination of this sin. She's talking about blasphemy here. If my justice were not restrained by my mercy, the guilty would be destroyed in an instant. Even inanimate beings would feel my vengeance, but I have an eternity in which to punish the wicked. Then he made me understand the excellence of this work of reparation, how far it had surpassed all others, and how pleasing it was to God, to the angels, the saints, and to our Holy Mother, the Church. She said, Let us then relieve and soothe this august face of our Lord, disfigured by numberless blasphemies, and our Divine Master will efface from our souls the filth and hideousness of sin. I mean, what a beautiful reason to practice this devotion. And then... Now we have so much Sunday trading. I'm talking about, you know, profanation of Sundays and holidays. Um, So this is Sunday trading. I know we're probably a bit behind the times here where I live because that only really came into play in the last few years. But it really is a problem, you know, and something offensive to God that we need to make reparation for as well. As our Lord said to Sister Mary of St. Peter, the executioners crucified me on Friday. Christians crucify me on Sunday. Grave indeed. And for any listeners who are inclined to think along the lines of, I know that people out there take the name of our Lord in vain, but that surely isn't as enormous a crime as all the other horrendous corruption we are seeing almost everywhere. So shouldn't we be making reparation for all those other sins too? Well, the answer is twofold. First, blasphemy in its narrowest sense is actually a very terrible sin because of its direct attack on God. 
an insult right to his face, so to speak. The audacity of such an act of defiance to Almighty God is truly shocking. And second, that is not the only form of blasphemy that we are asked to make reparation for. So I've got a quote here from the biography of Sister Mary St. Peter by Reverend Pierre Janvier, um, published in 1884. It's the same book that you just quoted from Veronica, which gets right to the heart of the matter of what blasphemy means and includes. End quote. From every rank of society, blasphemy issues forth with frightful impetuosity, attacking the Godhead openly and wounding him as if with a poisoned arrow. To the vile blasphemy of the common people is added the doctrinal blasphemy of the free thinker. From the streets and thoroughfares of the city, it has succeeded in gaining entrance to the public room, to the schools, even to the family fireside. It enthrones itself in our theatres, in our club rooms. It parades itself unblushingly before the public. It is to be heard in ordinary conversation. It forces its way into our books, our pamphlets, our newspapers, and in short, into the multitudinous collection of periodicals with which our literary market is daily inundated. This is talking about the doctrinal blasphemy. It attacks, first of all, the dignitaries of the church, those most worthy of respect and the most elevated then dogmatic teachings. I, the very existence of Christianity itself. Yet more, it hesitates not to attack God himself, to deny his nature, his rights, nay, his very existence. This is that which, quote, fills the measure of iniquity to overflowing, unquote, and cries to heaven for vengeance. And that's the end of that particular extract. Elsewhere it says, I'll quote, it must be remarked, that in the non-observance of the Lord's Day, Sister St. Peter beheld an outrage committed against the sovereignty of God to be a crime in her eyes identical with blasphemy. So we all can see that these blasphemies, especially the doctrinal blasphemies, which blighted 1800s France and filled the measure of iniquity to overflowing even back then, are essentially the same horrors that are now, like tragically, worldwide in epidemic proportions. Now, Veronica, didn't this practice of devotion to the holy face become very popular initially, but then fall into disuse and essentially get forgotten by the majority of Catholics during most of the 1900s? Yes, initially it did really take off. Um, I guess the papal approbations and the countless miracles had a lot to do with this. Yet around World War I, Catholics overall lost interest and zeal for this great work and it remained in general disuse for decades during the post-Vatican II era. On a promising note, in recent years, we are seeing a renewed interest and re-establishment of this devotion among the remnant church. I think the internet has also helped in this revival, and such websites as holyfacedevotion.com are playing a role in getting this important message out to people. So a note of deep appreciation to all those who keep that website apostolate operational. Great job. And I noticed quite a lot of websites, although not dedicated entirely to this work of reparation, are promoting it in some way. So that is also wonderful. Yeah, I'll second that. And on many of these websites, you can find the main promises our Lord has given with regard to those who practice this devotion. Veronica, would you please share these with our listeners? Yeah, I have them right here. Okay. So uh, there are nine. So number one. By offering my face to my eternal father, nothing will be refused and the conversion of many sinners will be obtained. Two, by my holy face, they will work wonders, appease the anger of God and draw down mercy on sinners. Three, all those who honor my face in a spirit of reparation will by so doing perform the office of the pious Veronica. Four, According to the care they take in making reparation to my face, disfigured by blasphemers, so will I take care of their souls, which have been disfigured by sin. My face is the seal of the divinity, which has the virtue of reproducing in souls the image of God. 5. Those who by words, prayers or writings defend my cause in the work of reparation, especially my priests, I will defend before my Father and will give them my kingdom. 6. As in a kingdom they can procure all that is desired with a coin stamped with the king's effigy, so in the kingdom of heaven they will obtain all they desire with the precious coin of my holy face. 7. 
Those who on earth contemplate the wounds of my face shall in heaven behold it radiant with glory. Eight, they will receive in their souls a bright and constant irradiation of my divinity, that by their likeness to my face they shall shine with particular splendor in heaven. And finally, nine, I will defend them, I will preserve them, and I assure them of final perseverance. Wow, awe-inspiring. What a great gift. Well, thank you so much for sharing all those with our listeners. I mean, how can anyone in their right mind not eagerly jump at this? <laughs> yeah. So our Lord revealed essentially the same as the seventh and the eighth promises you mentioned, I noticed there, to St. Gertrude the Great as long ago as I think is around the late 1200s. So, Veronica, please explain just how far back the roots of this devotion actually extend and its import. Well, we read in Genesis, immediately after the fall of Adam, quote, And when they heard the voice of the Lord, God was walking in paradise at the afternoon air. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the face of the Lord God amidst the trees of paradise, end quote. So after original sin, there is a radical change and loss. Our first parents and us by extension are necessarily forced to turn away, as it were, from the face of God. Then we see references to Cain in consequence to his great sin, such as him saying, quote, and from my face I shall be hid, end quote, and then, quote, and Cain went out from the face of the Lord, end quote. Later we hear the cry of the psalmist, which so poignantly and succinctly expresses the essence of our loss since the fall and also its remedy, quote, convert us, O God, and show us thy face and we shall be saved. End quote. I won't quote all such references of the face of God in the scriptures and the liturgy, but I'll tell you there are many. Like most things, it wasn't until after I embraced this devotion that I started noticing references to the face of God in various Catholic books. And it seemed it was continually in my face, pardon the pun. Of course, later this face of God became flesh <laughs> and dwelt amongst us. And St. Veronica was given his sacred imprint. Quote, which is the figure, the mirror, and the image of the divinity and the perfections comprised in the most holy name of God, end quote. The sublimity and fullness of all of this is truly ineffable, yet it provides much food for meditation, and I encourage all of our listeners, well, your listeners, to contemplate such things. For now, the main point is that there is no novelty here. Be assured that this devotion is ancient and embodies profound truths. That is indeed much food for thought. Incidentally, I started a local confraternity here in 2011, which was not long after my immediate family all adopted this devotion. And without going into detail, my husband and some of our children frequently comment upon how many amazing blessings have been lavished upon us since then. We can see that with regard to the additional promise of procuring the settlement of all the affairs of our household, which is expressed in the prayer to obtain the settlement of all our needs, that this is occurring. Um, that prayer actually says, Since our Saviour himself promised that by offering to you, O Eternal Father, the holy face disfigured in the Passion, we can procure the settlement of all the affairs of our household and that nothing whatsoever ever will be refused to us, we now come before your throne. So this particular promise is prodigiously and obviously happening before our very eyes, and also in the Catholic hearts and homes of many of our friends who are likewise holy faced devotees. In fact, one young lady in our mission group had been wanting to find a suitable Catholic man to marry, and the years were passing with no suitable suitor on the scene. So one of our mutual friends gave her a holy face image relic and said to her, you know, keep that and we'll all keep praying until you've secured a husband. And sure enough, it wasn't much long after when Mr. Wright came along and soon after they were engaged and they are now happily married with a beautiful baby. So our Lord's promises are never broken. So, Veronica, have you any additional quotes to inspire our listeners to join in this work of reparation? Yeah, these uh, quotes are, from, are taken from the biography of Sister, Saint Pe uh, Sister Mary of St. Peter, and these are quoting her words. So she said, In our time, the spirit of evil, armed with pride and sensuality, has inflicted on society two wounds of such magnitude as have hitherto been unknown, deep-rooted impiety and absolute incredulity, these are the two loathsome wounds of modern society, which corrode all that is most sacred. 
to combat this strange and satanical scourge and to expiate the abominations which result, the word incarnate, our only mediator and the sovereign reparator of degenerate society, offers us his holy face, this portion of his sacred humanity in which we are reflected, both the thoughts of his mind and the affections of his heart, and which give him an appearance like unto other men, and in which he has suffered the greater part of the ignominies of his passion. He demands, therefore, a new work whose object is to repair these crimes of modern society. The reparation is intimately allied to the great work of the redemption and is in reality the most noble and the most necessary work of our times. Then separately in another part, she says, what immense benefits are reserved for the defenders of the holy name of God? And then she says, our lady told me that the more the army of God would be augmented, here she meant the defenders of his holy name, the more the army of Satan would be weakened, the enemies of the church and of the state. She then quotes our Lord's words to her after four years of the work of reparation. He said, the new harmony has charmed my ears, delighted the angels and appeased my wrath, but I shall not repeat again what I have said before. I want the work finished. So that's obviously the work of reparation. No matter how often I hear these things, it still sends shivers down my spine. It's so tremendous and truly awe-inspiring. Now, our listeners are all no doubt super keen to join us in this much-needed divinely sanctioned cause. So please explain what essentially is involved in practising this devotion and how does one go about joining or starting a holy face confraternity? Okay, so the best starting point, I would say, is probably to read what's on the website, holyfaithdevotion.com. That's where I started. On there is explained the founding, the purpose of this devotion, and also the various prayers involved. The minimum requirement for confraternity members is not really that much. Basically, each day to pray the Golden Arrow Prayer, which I think we'll talk about a bit later, along with one Pater, Ave and Gloria, and invoke the patrons St. Michael, St. Louis King of France, St. Martin of Tours, St. Teresa and St. Veronica. On Sundays and holidays of obligation, in addition to these few prayers, some longer prayers are required, which are really beautiful and inspiring prayers actually, including a litany to the Holy Face. There are additional minor setting up requirements, details of which can be found on that website, basic, you know, easy things. Then, of course, there are many optional extra prayers. The Holy Face Arch Confraternity Manual is full of these prayers and other related material. It's a real spiritual treasure, that one. And there are various books you can read to find out more. Many of these books are either on that website we've mentioned or can be downloaded in PDF form. Um, I actually... I have downloaded in PDF The Golden Arrow. The ones I've read so far are very inspiring books that are available. As we know, the purpose of our existence is to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. This is the ineffable destiny that the Almighty God is offering us, an honour and privilege beyond our imagination and comprehension. And here we have been offered this explicit means via this, you know, work of reparation of offering the redemptive act as mirrored in the face of his beloved son to that eternal father so that each of us can become, you know, a Veronica that is a true image of our Lord. And to that end, we would like to remind you that you are listening to the Catholic Home and the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Teresa, and I'm joined by Veronica. And today we've been discussing the significance of the devotion to the Holy Face and urging its universal adoption, especially during our times. We want to remind you that the Catholic Home is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. Permission can usually be very easily obtained by writing to mail at truerestoration.org. For those who might think this devotion in some way might be taken away from or distracted in any way from other important devotions and messages from heaven, such as the Blessed Sacrament, the Sacred Heart, Our Lady of La Salette and Our Lady of Fatima, what would you say in response? Okay, you know, this devotion doesn't take away from these other crucial messages for our times at all. Rather, it reinforces them and ties them all beautifully together. 
As proof, I'll recite the Golden Arrow Prayer dictated by our Lord to Sister Mary of St. Peter, which is the foundational prayer of the Holy Face devotion, really. The prayer goes, May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored and glorified in heaven, on earth and under the earth by all the creatures of God and by the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. There you go. You've heard it with your own ears, how this is also giving adoration to the Holy Name, the Sacred Heart and the Blessed Sacrament. Yes, it is explicit therein, so no one need be concerned about that. In addition to the dire warning she gave, the key request of Our Lady of La Salette was that people make reparation for blasphemy and the profanation of holy days. Now, this is an echo of the request of our Lord to Sister Mary St. Peter when he asked for the establishment of devotion to his holy face. I'm going to quote a portion of Sister Mary St. Peter's biography referring to the apparition of Our Lady of La Salette, and it goes, Between this ever-memorable event and the communications of Sister St. Peter, there exists a marvellous affinity which we must not fail to observe. Then it provides some details how Venerable Leo Dupont stated, quote, We may behold a prophetic announcement of the glorious events which took place at La Salette end of his quote, and goes on to describe how Sister St. Peter begged Our Lady to give the message, the same one she was given, to some pious soul in the world to get the crucial message spread. Then she foretold Our Lady's descending to the earth to do so, and then the author states, the mission confided to the little shepherds of the mountain was evidently identical with that of the cloistered Virgin of Carmel. So not that long later, Our Lady returned to earth this time at Fatima and gave further dire warnings to the whole world and she urged the flock to prayer and penance. Now, wouldn't you agree that something monumental is upon us? And we must pay heed to these grave requests from heaven that are asking us to play our part in this tremendous battle. I mean, that's the understatement of the millennium, but wouldn't you agree? I mean, of course. I mean, the church is obviously experiencing unprecedented attacks and yet we've been given such beautiful means to prove our devotion and to defend our faith. The reparation aspect of the Holy Face devotion, you know, like we've talked about, is particularly important. Just think of the, you know, the abominable sin in the world, particularly with recent attacks on marriage and the family. So much sin to make reparation for. Even though the Holy Face devotion, you know, is more specifically aimed at making reparation for blasphemy and profanation of Sundays and holy days, it is a great reminder for the need for reparation for many other sins as well. And clearly the devil would hate this devotion with a vengeance. That's a given. Mm. And once again, quoting our Lord's words to Sister Mary St. Peter about this, he actually said, Satan will make use of every means in his power to annihilate this work from the very outset but the holy name of God will triumph and the angels will gain the victory. Now, in addition to trying to convince Catholics that this isn't really that important nor necessary, what else is the devil doing to distract from or discredit this devotion? Yeah, look, unfortunately there has been an attack specifically on the Holy Face devotion. It began in the 1900s when Heinrich Pfeiffer claimed to have discovered the real you know, air quotes, real Veronica Vale in Manapello in Italy, which is impossible since we know that it was and is kept in the Vatican. This claim also implied that the veil in the Vatican was a fake and that the real veil did not belong to a woman named Veronica and was really just laid on our Lord's face in the tomb and that the image of our Lord's face was miraculously transferred to it during the resurrection. This claim, known as the Manapello hoax, also implies that St. Veronica did not exist and that the church essentially, you know, lied or had been wrong for, you know, 2,000 years by claiming that St. Veronica and the Veronica Vale exist and also the basis of a devotion revealed by our Lord, you know, pretty much standard Novus Ordo, I guess. However, we know St. Veronica and the Veronica Vale have been handed down in tradition and in church teaching and we have even had miracles and revelations of the Holy Face devotion to confirm their existence. So for any Catholic worth his soul, the Manapello hoax is clearly nothing other than that, a hoax. However, to those who might have been drawn in by Pfeiffer's claims, the Manapello hoax rather, is obviously damaging to the Holy Face devotion, You know, as it claims that the teachings about St. Veronica and the veil are false, 
and it neither acknowledges the miracles related to the image nor our Lord's desire for us to practice the devotion. But could we really expect, you know, such a powerful devotion to go unchallenged by Satan? Yeah, of course not. You can really see that Satan hates this devotion. Well, he knows this is an exceedingly powerful means thwarting his schemes. And for all of you out there who get righteous indignation, you know, that holy outrage whenever you listen to the latest Francis watch or someone tells you about yet another abomination that has become public, even when just thinking about the terrible situation now of Holy Mother Church seemingly crucified and in the tomb, there is no need to feel helpless nor overwhelmed. As I say, I don't get mad, I get even, the Catholic way that is. <laughs> so when these things come up, I just say, that's it. I'm taking it to the Holy Face. And off I march <laughs> to a Holy Face shrine and I belt out some relevant prayers. And my favourite for probably for such occasions is the Holy Face Chaplet, which comprises repetitive invocations from Psalm 66, which goes, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let them that hate him flee from before his face. Love it. Yeah. Another favourite is the one, Eternal Father, I offer thee the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and all the other instruments of his holy passion that thou may put division in the camp of thine enemies. For as thy beloved son has said, a kingdom divided against itself shall fall. So which is your favourite holy face prayer, Veronica? Well, I think that the the golden arrow prayer is probably my favourite. But, um, you know, I really also love the litany. It's so beautiful. It's really this lovely meditation that starts at the beginning of our Lord's life. So um, I'll just read a few lines. It says... O adorable face, which was adored with profound respect by Mary and Joseph when they saw thee for the first time, have mercy on us. O adorable face, which did ravish with joy in the stable of Bethlehem, the angels, the shepherds, and the magi, have mercy on us. O adorable face, which did transpierce with a dart of love in the temple, the saintly old man Simeon and the prophetess Anna, have mercy on us. O adorable face, which filled with admiration the doctors of the law when thou didst appear in the temple at the age of 12 years, have mercy on us. And, you know, it carries on like that, sort of going through our Lord's life. And it's just it's just so beautiful. Yeah, they're great prayers. I love those too. And there's actually a slightly longer version to the standard litany, which is an optional extra, but not the one that's required of the competent members on the Sundays and holidays. Mm. Uh, now, to all our listeners, heed this, your call to arms. Enlist as defenders of the holy name to make necessary work of reparation to stay the fullness of God's wrath, convert sinners and bring about the much needed restoration. Now listen to these words of our Lord. He said, the earth is steeped in crime. This is in the 1800s. The sins against the three first commandments have provoked the wrath of my father. The holy name of God blasphemed and the profanation of the Lord's day filled overflowing the measure of iniquity. This sin has mounted even to the throne of the Most High and has aroused his wrath, which will burst forth over mankind in an impetuous torrent, if his justice be not appeased. In no other time has iniquity reached such a degree. End of quote. That means it was even worse than the time of the flood back in the 1800s. I mean, one shudders to think what he would say about the world today. He also showed Sister St. Peter he said the multitude, he showed her the multitudes that were daily falling into hell. Now, that's just like what was shown to the Fatima children. This is back then. So can you imagine the blizzard of souls pouring into hell these days? Uh, it's, it's a frightening thought, isn't it? I mean, every Catholic should be moved to greater prayer and penance, especially the holy face devotion by this horrifying realisation. Though, of course, fear shouldn't be the motivating factor behind this devotion. God has asked that we worship him and has given us a beautiful means of giving him glory and showing our devotion. And in acknowledging the absolute sovereignty of God and hence our total subjection owed to him, although we have been given the free will to choose otherwise, we have no right to not offer ourselves in his service. And we should conform to his request to make reparation this way. As St. Paul put it, the charity of Christ presses us. Now we must prioritise our lives and do so now with the proportionate sense of urgency. I ask you, will your claim to fame be that you were an avid, lifelong supporter of a champion football team such as the Chattanooga Choo Choo's and never missed a game? <laughs> or perhaps you have the prize-winning green smoothie goat's cheese recipe in the Shire of Murrumbidgee Fair for 10 years straight? Or maybe you have a Five PhDs in physics, law, medicine, music and engineering, whatever the case may be. 
Or do you want to be part of something truly noble of everlasting import and devote your life to defending the holy name of God, thus playing a pivotal part in bringing about the end to this crisis? I mean, children of the light, children of the city of God, what say you? Well, I for one say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we've convinced every listener to go out and enroll all of Christendom, well, what's left of it, in this crusade, perhaps we should discuss some of the minor practicalities such as how to acquire an appropriate image of the holy face in conjunction with practicing this devotion. Okay, so as I mentioned, there was that three-hour miracle in the Vatican when the veil, which was hanging in front of the actual Veronica itself, had our Lord's face miraculously appear on it. Apparently, the veil was pushed out, as it were, giving the image you know, a 3D effect, A number of artists were called in to sketch this image, like I said, and then some of these sketches were sent to convents and other places for veneration. Later, as the devotion spread and a demand for more holy face images came about, on certain occasions, copies of these sketches were made, then touched to the veil itself and, you know, other relics of the Passion in the Vatican, sealed and signed by the Pope and then distributed to the faithful. So these became third-class relics as well as appropriate images for veneration. So some of these images sealed and, you know, signed by either Pope Pius IX or Pope Leo XIII are still around. And if you're fortunate enough, you know, you might be able to find one for sale on eBay, for example, every now and then. Failing that, it is very easy to print off a copy from a suitable online image. That um, that holyfacedevotion.com website has uploaded an image, you know, specifically for this purpose. It's sized correctly and ready for an easy printing off to then be framed. Also on that site, you can see a collection of photographs of the various holy face sketches which people have sent in from around the world. Most are very similar, as you would expect, yet each is slightly different due to the varying artists employed for this purpose. I wonder why they didn't photograph the actual miraculous image at the time as well as call in a number of artists. You know, anyway, these represent the typical holy face images, um, well, the image associated with the devotion. And you'll see that they are distinctly different to the various painters and artists' renditions of our Lord's face over the centuries. From what I can tell, one isn't obligated to use one of these specific images derived from that miracle in the Vatican, though as we know that Pope Pius XII approved the use of the image of the holy face derived from the Shroud of Turin as well. Have you noticed the striking similarity in the Shroud image and that, you know, based on the miracle in the 1800s? Yes, its dimensions and features are almost exact, aren't they? Yeah. However, I will add that in some of the early shroud-based images, I notice our Lord's nose looks distinctly longer and it kind of looks slightly out of proportion, which is not the case in the image given during that miracle. And initially I wondered about the discrepancy, uh, knowing that there had to be an explanation but not knowing what it was. And then sure enough, I found the answer when a friend recommended a documentary about computer-generated Im- generated like 3D imagery based on the Shroud of Turin's image. Now, as we know, the Shroud is like a photographic negative and the earlier images were produced by a simple reversal and doing so brought out amazingly clear pictures. Yet with this unusually long nose I mentioned, then this documentary explained something in regard to the Shroud being draped over our Lord. Of course, our Lord's body is not two-dimensional, but three-dimensional, so to speak. So the Shroud image itself cannot be an exact replica of our Lord, given the shroud is in a two-dimensional form. Now, as we know, the shroud linen has a miraculous imprint from every portion in contact with or directly over our Lord's body at the time of his resurrection. So if you imagine you have painted your face all over, including the underside of your nose, like from the tip to your upper lip to the moustache area, if you're a guy, then you were to drape a piece of cloth over your face, like pressing it right up against your nostrils, you'd see that the paint would transfer from all your skin, including this section above your upper lip to the tip of your nose. And then when you flatten out this cloth, it would give the appearance of your nose being maybe about half an inch or more longer than it actually is because this bit under your nose has been added. Well, the 3D computer modelling that was done as shown in this documentary took into account the shape of our Lord's face, including this nose area, to produce their image. 
And when my husband and I saw their final product, we couldn't believe our eyes as it was exactly like looking at our holy face image taken from that miracle, but in colour. And by the way, we were actually very fortunate to have been given a holy face relic image, which is sealed and signed by Pope Pius IX. Now, the friend of this generous gift introduced us to this devotion around the same time. And even though both my husband and I have been traditional Catholics all our lives, and we're like, we're about 40 at the time, we had never heard of that miracle in the Vatican, nor of Sister Mary St. Peter, like in 40 years. So this friend of ours did us an immeasurable favour. So if you are listening, thank you so much. Now, I heard something about how your family acquired a similar image since then, Veronica. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I I actually found one on eBay. Um, I think it was from the Netherlands. Someone was getting rid of everything from an old church there, and the holy face image was amongst the items. You know, it has all the information on the back. It's in Latin, but and it has the Pope's seal and everything. And it was after I'd seen yours and heard about yours, I started looking for one. So I was lucky it came up on eBay. So, yeah. Do you happen to know which, um, is it Pope Pius IX or Pope Leo XIII at your stamp? I think it is Pope Pius IX. So it's one of the earlier ones. I don't know if you noticed it, but with regards to that Manapello hoax you mentioned earlier from the 1990s, you know, that fraudulent image itself, it's actually off-putting. I don't know if you looked at the face, but it has a certain grotesqueness about it that I can't quite put my finger on, whereas the image derived from the miraculous image on the veil, despite the disfigurements and wounds of the passion, it has a nobility and, and dignity about it. And it is profoundly beautiful. So one can gaze upon that for ages and it incites prayer and holy contemplation. Whereas I couldn't even bear to look at that fake image for even a few seconds without being repulsed by it. Yeah, I think the images I've seen of the Manapello one, it does look a bit distorted. Like uh, the eyes are open, I think. Not like in the Veronica Vale image where the eyes are closed. I think I noticed this when I saw yours once, but by candlelight, it almost seems like the eyelids are flickering open and shut. But you're right, the Veronica Vale image does have a beautiful dignity to it and definitely does encourage, you know, holy contemplation. Yes, and I remember reading, I think it's in the Golden Arrow book, where our Lord said, he who gazes upon me consoles me. So even just, even if you're not saying the mental prayers, and just, just even just looking at the holy face image, in, you know, silent contemplation, it consoles our Lord. So anyway, for our listeners, um, other than acquiring a suitable holy face image, confraternity members are expected to wear a particular cross or medal. So would you please explain you know, to them how to go about getting one of these? Yeah, so confraternity members are expected to wear either a holy face cross made according to our Lord's instructions to Sister Mary of St. Peter, which is basically a cross which an, with an image of our Lord's face on the front of it. And on the front side should be the inscription, Sit Nomen Domini Benedictum, which means, how's your Latin? <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the reverse side should have the words, Vade retro satana, meaning get thee behind me, Satan, or be gone, Satan. At the moment, you can purchase such a cross for a very small cost from the holyfacedevotion.com website, which is where I got mine. However, without complaining but simply stating our observations, these crosses have tended to break rather quickly. I've still got mine with the lower vertical crossbar snapping off underneath the image of the veil with our Lord's holy face. And this leaves, you know, a truncated cross, which is still a cross, which the appropriate with the appropriate image on it, but with only the words sit nomen on the front and the domini benedictum being the end of the sentence is on the portion, you know, that snaps off after a while. So you lose that bit. But fortunately the Vade retro satana on the reverse remains after it breaks as it's engraved on the horizontal cross members. I hope that's clear. That's kind of confusing. but Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So if any of your listeners, you know, know anyone who can make crosses of, you know, a very good quality, I know the owners of holyfacedevotion.com would be interested to hear from you as a potential supplier. We do what they have already for now in the meantime is fine. Uh, Pope Pius the 11th. No, the 12th in 1945 approved the Holy Face Medal to be worn if desired instead of the Holy Face Cross based on the revelations of another nun whom we haven't mentioned until now named Sister Maria Pierina di Michelli. I hope I pronounced that right. My Italian's no good. Who was called by our Lord to further this devotion during the 20th century. 
This medal has an image based on the Shroud of Turin, though. And for those who are into value adding, there are many optional extras in relation to this particular devotion. So you can just do the bare minimum basic requirements if you want, or you can select from a choice of many extras if you want to take it further. So, for example, there is a holy face scapula, which is a good idea, especially for young children who we might not want to be wearing chains with the cross or the medal, you know, or for people allergic to certain medals. One of the more striking devotionals, which was given to Sister Mary of St. Peter by our Lord, is that of wearing what is called the Little Gospel. This is an amazing sacramental in itself. Details of it can be found in both the biography of Sister Mary of St. Peter and the Arch Confraternity Manual, both linked as free PDFs on that website we keep touting. It goes by the other names, the Gospel of Circumcision and the Little Sachet. This scapula-type sacramental has numerous miraculous healings and astonishing conversions of seemingly hopeless cases associated with it within a very short time of its institution. The various accounts given in the biography are amazing. You know, the sacramental is very easy to make and precise instructions are provided. Worth noting here is that our Lord granted five special graces for those who practice this devotion in honor of his holy name as follows. One, to preserve them from death by lightning. Two, to protect them against the snares and the malice of the devil. Three, to deliver them from a sudden and unprovided death. Four, to assist them to advance with great facility in the path of virtue. And five, that he would give them the grace of final perseverance. What wonderful promises, hey? As soon as I came across that, I was on to trying to buy some, but couldn't find anyone online who sells them. But fortunately, they are simple to make. And thankfully, one of my relatives, who was also a close friend, very kindly offered to make enough for my family. So we're in business. And perhaps others out there can offer to make these for their own mission groups or parishes because enough people are willing to make them Then no one has to make them in huge numbers. Alternatively, anyone who has the capacity to make such things in bulk could contact the Holy Face website and offer their services as I'm sure there would be very many people who would be interested in buying these and that way they could easily find them via that website. Also, to find out more about Sister Maria and the story of the Holy Face Medal, there's an excellent video sermon by Father McGuire, which goes into a lot more detail. And you can find this video sermon on that website, traditionalcatholicsermons.com. Uh-huh. I think it's just listed under the video sermons. Or you can just search like traditional Catholic video sermons, Holy Face, and it should turn up. Yep. Um, as we close out this episode, we have covered the wonderful, powerful and critical Holy Face devotion. And I want to thank you, Veronica, for your time and being with us on this episode. I'm sure that not only are you giving great honour and glory to God by your dedication to this cause, but that many souls will benefit by all that you shared with us on today's show. Is there anything else you would like to add in summary before we close out our episode? Oh, just thank you very much for having me on your show today. I hope that we've been able to explain the devotion in a helpful way for your listeners and that some of them, if not all, you know, are inspired to practice this beautiful devotion to the Holy Face. Thank you. Well, once again, Veronica, thank you for your time and we will talk to you again next month as we continue the series. God bless you. If you have any questions for Veronica or feedback on this episode, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at cathethome at truerestoration.org and we will pass along your questions or comments to Veronica. And we would also take this moment to remind you that all correspondence with us is strictly confidential. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who helped make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a mass, a rosy, or even a simple ave for our work the next time you pray. For the restoration, I am Teresa. May God bless you. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.